The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We're about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Welcome to another edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm very excited to introduce to you my special guest and personal friend, Ray J. Founder of, Knockout, Enter- founder of Knockout Entertainment, Ray J is an award-winning singer, an actor, producer, entrepreneur, and author. His new book, Death of the Cheating Man, is now available in stores. And Ray J, welcome to A Current Life. Thank you for having me, my brother. Well, I'm very flattered that you've made the time in your busy schedule to join us today. Uh, you know, you and I had the chance to spend some time together, and I was incredibly impressed with you and, and with your deep spirituality and just uh, just the, the, had such a wonderful day and, and game that we went to together. And uh, so, you know, this show's about life's journey and the ups and the downs that we all go through, and I just I'm, I'm very flattered that you were able to be here today. Oh, man, thank you, man. Anything for you, Jimmy. Come on, you know that. Thank you, my friend. Uh, so let me start off like I often do with the early years. So what were you like as a little kid growing up? You were born in Macomb, Mississippi, and raised in California. What were you like? Well, I was I was, I was always just wanting to have fun, you know, starting out. Um, um, I was born in Mississippi, and I've, I've been in Los Angeles since I was two. And, um, you know, uh, my dad and mom, you know, they started us out in the choir. And, um, you know, it was, you know, every Saturday, you know, choir rehearsals and Sunday church and Wednesday Bible study. And then, you know, the same old routine, you know, every day. And, um you know, my sister was really taking a liking with music and wanting to be a singer. And um, for me, I was just kind of just trying to find my way, um, hang out with my friends, you know, go to school and just kind of experience the regular life. And um, it wasn't until my sister started to become very successful at the music to when I really started to get inspired to really try to take it to the next level. Well, you know, I, I did a lot of, as, as you know we do, a lot of homework and background, and, and what became very clear was the love of music that your family had. You know, your mother, Sonia, is, is, is your manager and has been involved in the reality TV shows and, and uh, is a wonderful person, and I'm very fond of her. And your dad, Willie, is a musician and has a gospel album out and I think had a scholarship to college, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So those those are all strong influences. Besides, obviously, your older sister Brandy, 
who became a multi-platinum recording artist. So I, I guess all of that while you're out having fun and kind of trying to figure out where you fit in, which is what it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do, how did all that play into, into kind of helping shape your life for you? Well, I think it was great for me because, you know, I, I had a chance to really figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. And uh, I started out on the Sinbad show, um, and it was a it was a sitcom on Fox. So my love started out as acting, and I did a lot of auditions for commercials. I did a Chrysler commercial. Um, I did another show called um, Fast Talk, um, and we, I was you know nine, ten years old doing these things. And um, so my mission was to try to become a, a movie star. But my sister and um, my dad and my mom started to shape. Brandy's career into, you know, just this musical young icon. And from there, I just said, you know, I need to figure out a way not to do it exactly like they did it, but find my own lane, find a way for me to be able to become successful, but also have fun. That's what I stressed the most, you know, to my parents and even to my sister. I was like, look, if I have to get up every day and do something that I don't like doing, um, then I'm just going to have to pass and just when when it's time for me to be successful and it's perfect for what I want to do, I feel like that's when everything starts clicking for me. Well, I can tell our listeners, um, and we go into 180 countries, so you can imagine we have a very diverse group of listeners from all over the world. And, you know, when I spent the time with you and we had the chance to spend a day together in Cincinnati, Ohio, I was really struck by your strong will and determination uh, your intelligence and your deep spirituality, and and you know I'm I'm interested because this shows more about the journey of how people you know ups and downs what they go through. Yeah. You just seem to have a really deep sense of of what you wanted. You know you know what you want, and 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 you go after that. And you know I think that's hard for a lot of people. Uh, what what do you think that came from? Was that um, I mean was that also being a younger brother of a sister who was really kind of more established at that time and, and kind of where there was direction there and you kind of, I know I was the, one of the young, I was the youngest in my family before my mom died and I always seemed to have to fight for things, you know, yeah. with an older brother. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 was, it was to the point where I, I, was, I was enjoying it because in the beginning, I didn't want to sing. You know, that was the last thing I wanted to do. Like right. when I was younger, I always wanted to stay out and play with my friends and play football and hang out, you know, on the playground. And then there was when it was time for choir rehearsal, it was like, oh, again, you know. And Brand was like, I'm so excited to go and sing. So it was the two. We just we had opposites of where we wanted right. to go at the time. So you know, when her music career started to, you know, accelerate and, and just you know just become one of the biggest careers out at the time i i was enjoying it because it, it, it i had a chance to hang around my sister and spend time with my family and still just continue to have fun so i really never looked at it growing up as you know being in the shadow or trying to uh compete with you know the success my sister had because that's not the lane that i really wanted to go down so i was just enjoying the moment um i remember um, she had a song called Best Friends. Um, it was a you know top ten hit for her, and it was supposed to be a duet with with myself and her. But when I went in the studio, 
I just wasn't vocally ready yet because I didn't rehearse a lot. I didn't practice, and that just wasn't my thing. So I tried it. It didn't sound like what everybody thought it was going to sound like, so they scratched me off the song, and um, and they put me in the video, and I was still happy for that. But that just shows you just where my focus was as opposed to where her focus was. You know, it was night and day. Um, I really just loved being around my crew, um, and, you know, I loved going out on auditions as far as acting, but as far as singing and dancing and that world, I just – that's just something that I just didn't get at the time. Were you were you a disciplined young person? Did you um, follow through on everything? Was school easy for you? What were some of those things like? Well, I did good in school. I I found a way to to have home study throughout my whole um, just throughout my whole career. I was able to have a tutor. Um, I I really didn't like going to class. But I like doing the work. So if I was able to do the work faster and get the book done, you know, quicker than I would in a semester, then that's what I did with my tutor. So I kind of liked um, just being in, like, my own world, learning from her or learning from him or whatever tutor, you know, would come and teach me. And then from there, I would want to go out and do a lot of auditions and um, just kind of try to produce songs and create this world. I've always been a fan of, like, Puffy and Biggie and Diddy and, you know, at the time, you know, Snoop and Dr. Dre and all of these crews were forming and they were making these young hip-hop labels. And it was very attractive to me. So that was the road that I really wanted to go down um, growing up as a teenager. Did you get or suffer any hardships or anything that, that you had to overcome that made you stronger, or was it a pretty level uh, situation? Well, I really never had a chance to spend time with my family. You know, I was kind of a loner. You know, uh, once Brandy's career started to um, just excel, I was kind of stuck in this world alone, just, you know, myself and my grandma. Right. And, um, you know, it was it was a little bit of a weird time for me because I just didn't understand, you know, why I couldn't be with my family and why everybody was always out of town or it was always, you know, about the music or about this, you know, hit record. And I was just kind of figuring out, like, well, what about family? What about just hanging out or going, you know, on a roller coaster or going to a water park? You know, what about those things? So um, just the family time was something that I felt I didn't get enough of growing up. Um, but other than that, everything else was cool. Did you have other mentors other than Sonia, who is obviously an incredible woman, and your father? Was there any one person that maybe sticks out as you look back that was kind of a mentor to you and kind of helped keep you on a certain path to, to, to where you are today? Well, I mean, I have to give, a, you know, just a lot of credit to my grandma. Sure. Because for me, you know, um, growing up, um, you know, there was a few people that, um, a, a few crews that I started to hang around with that was a little bit more on the edgier side than uh, what, you know, my parents probably would approve of. But at the time, you know, I, nobody was really paying attention to what I was doing, so I was kind of getting away with it. Um, I had a window in my bedroom, and there was a bar on it, but I found a way to, to, to unlock the bar and sneak out, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, my grandma, she really didn't, like, you know, pay attention that much. So, you know, at, at, at a... <laughs> 
at about six or seven o'clock, I would sneak out my window and go hang out with my friends for a couple hours and then hop back in and I'll be back in by nine or ten and like nothing ever happened. So it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I, I wasn't the only one that did that. You know, I think that's a that's a rite of passage when you're a young boy, you know, and growing up. Uh, I was sneaking out all the time and I finally got caught one day and man did I pay the price. But uh you Yeah, know, that's what I, happened to me, man. I, I had to pay the price too, man. But before then I was getting away with it for a while. Right. And um and so I have to give a lot of the credit to my grandma because she was really strong and, you know, she really looked out for me. And when I needed somebody to talk to or somebody to, you know, cry to or whatever I was going through as far as homework or anything like that, she was always there for me. So, um, you know, I'm really attached to her and she's been sick lately. So it's really been kind of affecting, you know, just my day-to-day activities and emotions. But, um you know, I really love her, and I really think she was kind of like the person who kind of kept me grounded and kind of saved my life in, in a sense. Well, I, I do think uh, one of the things that I've often had regrets about was not having grandparents for my boys that that uh, I have two boys that, um, you know, that didn't never got to know my parents, and and I think that you know, I, I think you skip a generation so kids react to their parents, you know, because they want to be adults, you know. Everybody wants to be older when they're younger, and they want to be younger when they're older. And, you know, my kids are, you know, don't have that, that those grandparents to kind of, you know, they can go to when they disagree with me. So my, my grandparents passed away, and I think that you're fortunate that you had, you know, that because oftentimes I think that we, they're, you know, at least in, in most of the world, they treat the elderly with tremendous respect because of their knowledge. And I think we have a long way to go in our country about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, grandparents are, are, are great. And, and, um, and if, you know, if anybody, you know, has grandparents or, you know, and now they're still around, you know, cherish the time with them and, and get to know them and talk to them about the things that they've been through and who they know and some of the struggles and ups and downs they had to overcome. I know I've done that with my grandma, and unfortunately now she can't go too far deep into it like she used to. Sure. But um, you know, we did get a chance to talk a lot and I do know a lot about her and 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 and, and what she's been through. So, you know, I'm I'm at peace with that. Well, that's great. The uh well, I hope that things improve. Uh let me ask you. So, what was it like growing up with a sister like Brandy and 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 the success that she had in her life and how that affected you before you kind of hit your stride, uh, and, and what's your relationship with her like today? That was great. I mean, I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and I still love her the same as 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 you know to the beginning of time. It, it was great. It was great because she she really made it, you know, a thing for me to to be a part of her world in any kind of way, whether it was pr- producing her Mattel commercial or, you know, um, writing the jingles for her CoverGirl commercials or um, opening up um, an opportunity for me to uh, be a, a series regular on Moesha to letting me produce songs on her album and make money with her to touring. I mean, it just... It was just nonstop. I mean, wherever she could she place me and help me succeed, um, she did that. And, and even to this day, it's, it's the same way. So, I mean, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I also love that, you know, they let me be me because there was a time where, 
they wanted me to go down the same exact path that she went down, the same exact look, the same exact routine from choreography to the look, to the style, to the singing, to the songs. And I just felt like that's just something that I didn't want to do. And and they allowed me to just be creative and be myself as opposed to saying, no, 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 this is what you got to do. This is how it's going to be. It wasn't like that. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my blessings and a lot of me just being able to be outspoken or get into a little bit of trouble or be a little bit edgy um, in, in, in my career, um, they gave me those opportunities. They never put me in a box, and I, and I really appreciate them for that. Well, you're you're really lucky about that because I, I know in talking to Sonia, like I have been for, I guess, for the last couple of years, uh, she's a special uh, person, and, and to allow you to do your thing, it's one of the hardest things for a parent I go through this all the time with my children and, you know, and I always want to say yes. I always want to say yes. Or I want to, you know, make them, you know, Hey, you got to play football. You got to play this. You got to play that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've learned, you know, it's not me. They are their own person. And, you know, when both my sons quit football, knowing that one of the things I do is represent a lot of NFL players, mm -hmm. I was fine with it. I said, you know what? It's your life. You choose what you want to do, but if you go do it then finish it, just, Start it, finish it, and then move on. And yeah. you know, one, of, one of them's come back to football. The other one moved on and kind of loves music and loves movies and loves things like that. But, yeah. you know, you were you were about, what, like 12 years old when you scored your first role as LJ on the sitcom? Yeah, 12 years old. 12 years old. And, what and what was, was that like? It was, it was very – it felt really good because um, a month or two months before that, um, there was a sitcom called Thea that my sister landed, and she was um, a series regular on Thea. But I also went on that, on that audition as well, but I didn't get it. So, you know, when, when my sister came home and she was yelling and screaming, you know, I got the role, I'm going to be on TV, I'm going to be on Thea, you know, I was excited for her. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get it too, like I was waiting for the call. And then I got the call back, and it was like, you didn't get it. So it was a little bit devastating to to to, to experience that. But at the same time, I was able to feel my sister's success. Sure. So then two months later, I went out on the Sinbad show, and um, and I got the role. And it was just – it felt so good to be able to, to, to get a role like my sister had got, but on a whole nother network, on a whole nother show with, with total, a total different production crew. So I felt like we both were succeeding in our own rights, and, it, it, you know, it really, really felt good. Well, you know, one of the things that I don't want to skip over is a lot of people can't deal with um, the prospect or the uh, reality of failure. And in that particular situation, you had both ends of the spectrum. Your sister gets a big role in TV. You get turned down. Mm -hmm. You know, what made you be able to overcome that in, in, in those feelings? Because I think a lot of people never even get out of bed in the daytime because they're afraid to fail. And if you do, if you're not willing to fail, you're never going to succeed. So I commend yeah. the thing. The thing that struck me the most about you was your not only your determination, but the fact that you really were not. There wasn't a lot of fear in you. There was. I mean, all of us have some fear about whatever, but you just didn't have that. You know, you you were just down to earth, and I felt like I'd known you my entire life, and we just sat around and talked that day, and and. You know, you, I, I, it seems to me that that when you that that moment when you didn't get that role and she did, 
you didn't you didn't resent her for that. You obviously oh, yeah, were no. you know stable enough to be able to deal with that. Yeah, I was excited for her. I was hurt for me, you know, but I was excited for her. And you know, in this business, man, you can never give up. And I've, that was one of the first times I started to understand. I either I'm gonna quit now, or I'm gonna keep going and going and going until something happens. And I think, you know, after that, it kind of just helped me to understand that there will be obstacles. There will be ups and downs. There will be no's. There will be people saying, you know, you can't do this. But I don't do it. I don't do it for the people that make the decision. I do it for the people. You know, right. I do it. I do it for the people buying the product or watching the show or, or, or coming out to enjoy, you know, what you're bringing to the table. Those are the people that I try to target. And sometimes the naysayers or the people in control, they close the door on you and make it seem like you can't make it through. But that's when you got to kick the door down. You got to kick it down. You got to stay praying to God. You got to stay believing in yourself and, and having that faith. But, you know, faith without works is dead. So after you believe, you still got to go out every day and practice and go out and get it. And when they say no, just know that there's three more yeses behind that door. That's great advice. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and it makes you stronger if it doesn't kill you. Adversity yeah, is a good does. thing. You yeah, know. get rich or die trying. Yes. And then, so in 1997, just four years later, you uh, released your first album, Everything You Want. Um, and then in 2002, you collaborated with the Neptunes on your second album, This Ain't a Game. Give me yeah. that transition and kind of, you know, all that was involved in that. Well, well, the first transition in the 97, you know, um, and I love Keith Crouch. He is one of the best producers in the game. Um, we started to work on an album, my first album, that was really funky. It was a little, it had an old school twist to it. It had a lot of live music. Um, and it was something that I just wasn't familiar with at the time because I really didn't do my research on funk and on, you know, just that George Clinton, that funk, that, that, that feel. I was um I was more into um you know the 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 you know Snoop Dogs and Dr. Dre's and you know that's just what I was growing up listening to, so I think my music started to shift into the same kind of style as my sister was having, and I think that was what I think that's where the conflict came in is because that's not really the music that I really wanted to do, and so I had a big transition you know with. My family, um, with, you know, Atlantic Records, you know, everybody wanted me to sing and dance. And I was like, that's just not who I am. And, um, you know, like I remember telling them, listen, even if I have to wait in line to be successful the way I want to be successful, I'm willing to wait in line because I don't want to be successful in something that I'm not enjoying myself or not, I'm not who I am because in the long run, I'll be miserable. So... Sure. Um, I just, you know, I stood in line. I tried to find the right producers that fit, you know, my style. And I ran into Pharrell and Chad, the Neptunes. And I remember us recording records and people were like, well, who are these guys? You know, they're not going to do this. And we don't like their sound. And, you know, it's too simple. It's too fun. You guys are having too much fun. And I remember just telling them, just give us a chance. Just give us one shot. You know, if I had a budget that was a half a million dollars to promote the album, I remember telling, you know, um, the head guy, Ron, at uh, at Atlantic, I said, cut my budget in half and just give me half of that or a third of that, 
and let me show you what I can do with this record. And so he agreed, and um, we released this record called Wait a Minute, and we put Little Kim on it, and that was just the biggest record of my career. It went to top ten. That was one of the records that opened up many doors for the Neptunes to produce on Jay-Z and Madonna and et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it was that risk that I had to take in order to showcase, you know, what I really believed in and what I felt like the world wanted to hear from me. So, I mean, by the age of 21, you basically have a top song. You've been in a sitcom. You've put out albums. You've worked with some of the most incredible people in the business. I mean, that's a lot at a, such an early age. What, what at that time gave you the, the ability to kind of stay on this kind of straight and narrow path of building your career and eventually going and building your own company and really becoming one of the leading independent artists, you know, in the game. And, and you know, when obviously I'm, I'm curious about what inside of you gave you that, that strength. Well, I started to understand that um, working with a small budget and, you know, getting into, you know, a, a, a minivan and driving around the world and shaking hands with program directors and, and, and MDs and DJs, I started to feel like, well, if that's all that it takes, it's a small team and a van and a little bit of a budget, then why do I need the record label? I started to figure if everybody at the record label said that this song was not going to work and that, you know, this project was not was not good and they gave me a small amount of money to go promote it and it still reached the masses and it was very successful, I started to figure out why why couldn't we do it alone? Why Why would we then need a label to promote and market? if all we needed was a certain amount of money. So I just started to kind of do my own research, and I started to just kind of study the independent market and what it was about. And um, and then I remember going to my mom and dad and saying, listen, if you guys just, just invest in me, invest in just a little bit of money in this project that I have, I can turn this around for you guys independently. And they were looking like, I don't know, man, this is really hard. You know, you need this, you need that. I was just like, give me a shot. If we all put our heads together and put together a plan, I think we can win independently. And so that's when um, we got with Rodney Jerkins. Uh, we put together this song called One Wish, and um, it was 100% independent. Uh, we partnered up with a company um, called Sanctuary Records, and, I mean, it was just it was magical. It was magical, the success we had with that record. Um, it went over a million downloads at a time when downloads were just becoming new to the game. And um, and I just shifted my career into a whole other level independently. And as an entrepreneur, I just started to get it. I started well, to get it then. I'll tell you, you did an amazing job. We're going to take our, our only break because uh, I cherish the time that we have together and our sponsors are, are fine with that. Um, uh, uh, I, I want to come back and talk about, you know, that entrepreneurial uh, drive that, that, that allowed you to create your own company, to be a leading independent artist, and to really do, in a way, kind of what, you know, we've done here in our own companies is entrepreneurial spirit and the independent aspect, because I agree with you completely in what's behind it. We're, we're going to take a short break. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
We are broadcasting from the Phoenix studios at voiceamerica.com. Variety Channel, Going Global with Gas Man is the show that you are listening to. And joining me today is Sean Morley from the WWE, otherwise known as Val Venus, the big Val Boski. <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also got a third identification as well. He Absolutely. is Captain Cannabis. Live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the voiceamerica.com Variety Channel. Going global with gas. Man. How the hell do they know that I got gas? Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to A Current Life. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm here with my special guest, Ray J. Um, yes, sir. Well, I want to talk because we went into the independent game that that you took on and convinced, obviously, your parents to help you and back you. And and you then went in 2005 and founded Knockout Entertainment and released Radiation, uh, your hit single One Wish, which you collaborated, collaborated on with Rodney Jerkins, earned you a BMI award and your first number one single on the Billboard R&B charts and pushing Radiation over 400,000 sales mark. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, you know, it was it was a mission because it was it was then where we were kind of like it, it, that. This is where the risk started happening because you know now I have my family, you know, pulling out you know hundreds of thousands of dollars out of their own personal account sure. to to cater to a vision that I that I presented to them and pitched to them. And, you know, as parents, you know, what's I'm not a parent, but I know just from just being around my mom and dad, you know, their belief system, you know, in their kids is very important. And I think they wanted to show that to me, that they believed in me and my ideas. I don't think that they believed that it was going to work, but mm-hmm. they believed in me. And they wanted to show me that no matter what, we're going to invest in you and your ideas because we care about you. And I appreciated that from them because, you know, it was a big stretch and, you know, putting all of this money up on an independent project where um, I didn't want to drop a song. I had a song with R. Kelly and everybody wanted to go with it, but I felt like it was bigger than that. I felt like if we put out a song that meant something that would change the test of time and would help somebody in their everyday life, I think that's the song we should focus on. So, you know, we, we had these meetings and, um, you know, finally they just, they went with my vision and One Wish was just, it was magic. It was magic the minute it went on the radio. 
10 minutes later, you got call-out phones, people calling back and requesting a record that really didn't have a, any support from a major label. So it was kind of uncommon to get that kind of record from an independent company. And so that was that, you know, I pray to God every day and I thank him every day to, you know, that he's shown me that, you know, no matter what people say or no matter how much money you have behind a project, if you can find a way to reach the masses with your creativity and find a way to break through the system, be it, you know, stay out longer on the road, um, do three more shows than you would do if you were signed to a major, which I did. I just felt like if you just put in, you know, much more work than what might be needed in another sense, then it could still work. And it did for me. And, um, and you know, we've been independent ever since, and we've been doing really well. And, um, and now we've been opening up, you know, new doors for new artists to, to do the same thing. Well, you certainly provide a lot of hope for people who want to travel the same road you, you traveled. And, and, you know, it is a tough business. It's an incredibly tough business. It's an entirely competitive world and nobody really knows what's going to work and it's like the movie business um, you know it's like you know I never really know and and I commend you on and your family on on the success that you've had you uh you did it your way and and that's unbelievable you know you climbed on board then following that uh the following that great success with BET including the popular 106 in Park and then took the role of Darren Demack on the TV series One on One with Kyla mm-hmm. Pratt. Mm-hmm. Uh that was kind of bicoastal so you spend your time now flying from New York to LA every week. Yeah, I felt it was needed. I felt like I was on a I was on a roll. I felt like, you know, it was time it was I was a time in my career where I felt like I needed to put in the work. And even on the audition that I did for BET um, I remember there was a long line around the corner, like outside around the corner. And I drove by and I said, you know what? I could probably make a phone call and get to the front of the line and and do my thing on my audition and get out of there. But I said, I think it would be more special if I just stood in that line. So I got out the car and I stood in the line. And I waited, and I waited hours until I got to the front. And when I got to the front, they were like, Ray J, are you in line? And I was like, listen, I'm trying to get it just like everybody else. And I remember they started laughing, and um, and then I did the audition, and I did a great job. And, you know, the next day, I was on BET. I was on 106 in Park, and then they gave me my own show, BET.com. And, you know, it was just it was just from little things like that and having to pay my dues, I think, is what works for me and what's, what's, what's been working for me in my career. Well, I think a lot of people recognize that about you because you're very down to earth. I, I, I will tell a little story before a few more questions, obviously. But when we spent time together, we decided to take a long walk, what's actually a short walk, to the football stadium to go watch the Bengals play. Yeah. And maybe it was maybe normally it takes five minutes, three minutes, something like that, and it took us mm-hmm. about fifty-five minutes that day because. Every single human being and car along the way, I'll never forget it. I've been with a lot of people throughout my life, and every car, every person stopped to shake hands with you, to say hi. Uh, it, it was mind-blowing. And you shook cool. hands with every single person. You took your picture with everything. I'll never forget the one car that stopped traffic of 50, 60 cars trying to get to the game where the woman and the man jumped out of their car, left the car idling, and ran over to get their picture taken with you. And I remember looking at you going, 
wow, that's it. And it was, it was incredible how you were responsive to every single request. I mean, what is that like? Because, you know, a lot of people forget how they got there. They forget what makes them, you know, you know uh, perceived as, as successful. And you yeah. really take the time with your fans. Well, I mean, you know, I, I take myself out of, out of, out of, you know, just my whole body and mind, and I put myself in their shoes. And I, you know, I know how I feel when I see somebody that I watch on TV and I look up to. And you know, just growing up, I remember when I see Mike Tyson, I was so happy to see Mike Tyson, and I ran up to get his autograph, and he signed it for me. And when he signed it, it just, it, it I felt so good, and so. I always say, well, what if he didn't sign it? I might have been still affected to this day. So I always look at that and I always look at, you know, people's emotions and, you know, you know, their excitement for just seeing me. I mean, that's special. So I, I want to return the favor and show them the same love, you know, that they're showing me. It's, and it really makes a difference. I mean, it, you know, and I, we're all going through tough times in this country and around the world today and people out of work. And you can literally make somebody's day just by you know, taking your picture with them or shaking their hand or telling them and, you know, giving them hope. Yeah, I mean, it's important. I mean, even just on, like, Twitter, like, when people want you, want you to follow mm -hmm. them and they send you, a, you know, follow me, I love you, and you hit follow, I mean, the, the response that they get sometimes, it's just, it, it's, it's magical. And so, sure. you know, whenever I can, you know, help somebody feel better or make somebody's day, you know, better than it was, then I want to do that. You know, somebody could have been going through something very, very intense and emotional in a negative way before they seen me. Now I can either pour it on them even more, or I can try to shape that into something positive and make them feel good and keep them going and inspired in their day. That's just the kind of dude I am. Well, in 2008, then you released your most successful album to date, All I Feel. Your hit single, Sexy Can I went triple platinum, reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 list. First of all, congratulations. That's incredible. And, and when you record a song like, like that, you know, can you feel that it's going to be that well-received by your fans, or is it just you just have no idea? Yeah, I felt it. I felt that song when, I, when we wrote it. I felt it was big, so I put it, in, I put it aside. And I remember just me being a hustler and having a business mindset. I remember calling the producer, and I was like, yo, man, this song is just cool. He was like, really? I was like, yeah, just let me get it from you um, for this amount. Um, it's just okay. And he was like, cool. So then I got it, and right after, I was like, this is an effing hit. Like, I was like... And so, uh, um, and so we put the record out, and um, it's at about you know five, six million downloads digitally right now. Um, and so it was great for us being independent and having that mainstream kind of record. Um, kind of just broke the ice for R&B because it's really never been done before like that in R&B music. So we kind of like set the tone for everybody with that record. And so now we just we we you know we we trying to follow up with with hit after hit and. And, and project after project now, so it, it's definitely a grind. Well, you definitely, first of all, crossed over. You crossed over not only with audience, but also in industries. I mean, you were, you know, a multi-talented artist, and you climbed to the top of each of the industries that you were working in, and you were crossing over. So your success, for a lot of people, that doesn't happen. But I think for you, you've wanted to be the complete artist, and you wanted to be not only an artist, but also you know, a creator of, of business, and that's why you formed Knockout Entertainment, which is which you're the CEO of the of the business, and you've actually got 
uh, a new artist, um, uh, Sahiba, and I'd yes. love for you to tell us about your artist. Well, she's she's 16 years old. Um, she's she's an Indian pop sensation. She 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 can speak in seven different languages. Wow. Um, she she just recorded a song called Marco Polo, and then she redid it in Spanish. And I think she's going to do it in Indian as well. Um, she's 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 a star, and I'm happy to be in her presence. Um, I met her through her producer, who I signed as a producer. Um, and he was 18 at the time; he's 19 now. And then she um, she came down and sang for me, and it was it was a go after that. So I got a chance to kind of help shape her and get her get her records together. She has a new single on iTunes right now called Marco Polo. And then I'm also working with this new with this new group. They're called the Fanatics, and um, they have one of the biggest records on the West Coast right now. It's called Don't Drop That dun dun The kids are going crazy over this record. It's going to be a platinum record. Um, I just signed it on to um, Knockout Entertainment slash E1, um, Alan Grumblatt and them over there in New York City. And uh, this record is, 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 is massive. So we that's another project we're working on. The group's called The Fanatics. The song's called Don't Drop That Dun Dun. We have Sahiba with Marco Polo. And then I'm also coming back with another hip-hop artist uh, who's a great producer as well. His name is Peso B. And he has a song called Turned Up that we're getting ready to turn up. Now, are all these fairly young artists that you're discovering? Yeah, all of these artists are under 22. Wow. You know, so for me, um, I've always... It just with anything I've done, whether it was um, being independent first or, you know, dropping, you know, the first reality shows um, and kind of seeing the future of where the business was going, I kind of try to look a couple years in advance to see where it's going to go and try to be early. So with these new artists, I mean, they see the future. Um, they have these new beats and these new sounds and these new dances that I feel are going to be the next thing for this industry. So I'm I'm, I'm on it early and in the next year or two, it should really be something that everybody's doing. So um, I got these groups now, and they should be uh, one of the pioneers to shift this thing around. Well, I hope you'll keep us in mind as you're traveling around with them, and certainly we want to support that and be a part of your life. We, we, As you know, Brad Telford, who introduced us, is my partner and dear friend, and, and you know, I'm, I'm so happy that he put us together. So I do look forward to to sharing in that with you down the road and, and watching it grow. You have amazing talent. I, I do want to ask you uh, about, you know, your reality TV shows for the love of Ray J, which was the number one show for VH1 and also the number one show for all cable non-sports networks, mm-hmm. and Brandy and Ray J, which is uh, a family business. What's it like doing reality television? It's great. It's great. It's easier. It's easier because it's um you know, you don't have to take yourself out of who you are and, and become another character. Um, that's a little bit more challenging. Um, I love reality, and um, I, I love working with, you know, the uh, the production teams that I was able to partner up with, VH1, of course, and then 51 Minds, who was great. They were able to just see my vision, and we were able to have some mega, mega success uh, in the reality show world, and um, and then they were able they they opened their doors up for me to get even more creative, create my own television show called Family Business, and I was able to bring in Brandy, my mom and my dad, and um, executive produce and create this show that was great for the family. It was a great platform for all of the things that we're doing now. So um, I appreciate them, you know, letting me 
um, and my team come inside of our world and kind of showcase what our family was about. Do you, um, talking about that, because you're now also on the business side as well as, you know, the artist side and everything else, how do you perceive and how do you deal with a lot of the misinformation or inaccuracy or call it whatever you want, perceptions that are driven by the media today? I mean, so much of the world is available to us so quickly, so much information and stuff. And, you know, uh, sometimes people and things are just misunderstood. Uh, How have you dealt with that, and how do you feel um, about that? Because I know a lot of the political races that we're watching, we're we're watching that. You know, Obama changes his stance on same-sex marriage. You know, he flipped back and forth, and, and, you know, they write things, and all of a sudden people are left with one impression, and it's different. It's just seems to be a lot of misunderstanding and, and, and something that you have to probably deal with every day. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that and that comes with the business. I mean, you know, if you if you look at it in a personal way, then, then you know, then they'll get to you every time. But if you kind of understand the business side of the media and know that they're doing their job, all I got to do is just keep doing my job. Once I start trying to do their job is when everything starts to fall down and you start to cater to what people are thinking as opposed to just continuing to stay focused with the team. If you guys have put out a plan, execute the plan and go home. That's the that's the job. Do your job, I'm going to do mine. And then at the end of the day, we all got to take the good with the good and we got to take the bad with the bad. Well, it sounds like what we talk about here. You stick to your knitting, and you all win together, or you lose together, and there's no guarantee in life. That's it. And, you know, I look up to y'all, man. I'm trying to get some of that money y'all getting. Y'all getting <laughs> some real serious, serious bread over there. <laughs> well, let me tell you, there's nobody I'd rather do something with. We talk about you all the time here, and... Uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get you back here. And one of these days, I'm gonna. I told your mom I'm gonna figure out how to get her here too. So it's uh, it's something that we're gonna look forward to doing. I, I have a great deal of love and respect for you. Uh, um, I want to have much respect for you too. And, and all the all the things in your office is so inspiring. Like thank you. All of the pictures, all of the the, the plaques, all of the successes that you've over, that you've experienced, man. That's just it's massive, man. I'm 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 just happy to be a part of your world. Well, you're you're the picture that's in the 130 malls and 1800 screens right now is of you and me, and it is now on my wall. So I want you to that's know that that's a good look. That's a good look. <laughs> you're part of the family, so you know what? We'll we'll work together and grow together throughout our lives. Uh, let me ask you about your book. You 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 wrote your first book, Death of the Cheating Man, which you wrote with Maxwell Billion, and it was released earlier this year and has been very well received. What's it yeah, like but- writing a book with someone? You know, it's cool. I mean, I feel like I got a, I have a, I have, I have more to talk about now. So I'm gonna probably go back in. Maybe I could work out something with you. You can get the yes. best deal for me. But um, I want to go back in and write something about just where I am now and all of the experiences as a man and 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 all of the life changing things that I've been going through. I want to write about that. The the first book I was, uh, it was it's Death of the Cheating Man, and I was I was more so the case study in that book, trying right. to figure out. Why us men do what we do? Why do we cheat? And how can we figure out a way to overcome that or become more honest with ourselves so not only can we be happy in our relationships, but so can the woman? Well, you coined a new phrase, new monogamy. And yes, the new monogamy. 
and you know, and I liked it because you talk about you know, obviously the the question of fidelity or infidelity, depending upon how you look at it, is mm-hmm. is you know, is is a common theme in all relationships, particularly in marriages, but but in all relationships because trust is at the heart and soul of everything that we do every day, every minute, every hour. We got to have yeah. faith in God, and we got to have you know trust in our partners and and our you know. We have them in our friends, so we certainly got to have them in the person that, that we're sharing our life with. But uh, you took a very simple and honest approach to it, and and I think it probably has benefited a lot of a lot of relationships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope so. I mean, that was the angle. You know, again, when you when you buy this book and you open it up, I mean, it is it is some of the most graphic things that 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 you know men do as far as cheating and I talk about those things but it's very relatable I mean I think people can relate to it I think it's something that's that's going on in the all over the world you know what I'm saying and I think being dishonest and I think cheating is the demise of you know the, the human race and I think you know if we can find a way to try to isolate it and try to figure out a way to try to understand what it is and how can we be better at it or better not doing it. Um, that was that was the goal in writing the book. Well, it's a, it's a great theme, and I think a lot of times there isn't necessarily actual infidelity, but people think that there's something that you were maybe not doing right, and therefore they attribute that to something even if you haven't done it and i think that there's just a common lack of communication that occurs between men and women i'm convinced of that and i think that we're just very different and so at the heart of really what you're talking about is the ability to listen and the ability to understand what the other person's saying absolutely and you know I, i i know when we talk you and i understand each other i know sometimes when i talk in a relationship i don't necessarily hear what the other person is trying to tell me, so I know I'm I'm working on that. I'll need your you help. Work on that, man. You got to work on that. <laughs> so let me ask you, what was your wow moment professionally and personally? Everybody kind of has a wow moment in their life. Uh, it took me a long time to figure out that I'd like to build things and build them with people. Was there a particular wow moment that really you can kind of isolate? You know, I had a few wow moments. Um, I think the most the most wow moment for me was understanding understanding the independent side of my career. Because just growing up, I've always tried to, you know, put it on somebody or, you know, say, Mom, I need you to, 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 to take care of me or, Bran, I need you to do this. Or, and, and so I started to figure out if I work hard and if I build my own team, I know that I can reach the masses with my team as well. I mean, I just have to figure out how to do it. So I think the one wish factor for me was really wow. Um, I think, you know, just when, when, when all the odds were against me, when everybody said no, when everybody had their thumbs down, when people said that they hated the record and, you know, that I sounded terrible and I wasn't going to make it. I mean, those are the things that just got my engine going and, you know, once I put in the hard work, I think I think it's I think it's God's obligation to bless you once you do your job. I mean that's what He promises. You know, you do your job, I'm gonna do my job. And I think you know, once my job was done, He He showed me that there was another side, and um and that that was that was it for me. 
Well, I, you know, as you look kind of forward five years from now, uh, where do you see yourself and what are some of the kind of goals that you're setting for yourself over the next five years? Just, just building this empire, um, you know, just building my, my production company, um, building my record label um, to a sense where I can open up different different um, platforms for not just music but for TV. Um, we're getting into the fight world business with the MMA and with the boxing. And um, I partnered up with, with my guy Sidney McDonald at Every Exposure. And what we're doing is we're taking music, we're taking the fight world, we're taking the reality world, and we're trying to mix it all into one so therefore we can create different job opportunities and different successes from different entities and bring them together so therefore we can start making money again and bringing this music percentage back up to where it's supposed to be as well as reality television and and as well as you know tv alone so we're just trying to corner the market in a in a, in a way where we can do our own thing and be very successful at it well, I know we're going to look forward to being a part of that. Uh, let me ask you a question that I've asked all the guests throughout the last six months that have been on the show. We do this show mm-hmm. once a week, and, and it's, a, again, a great pleasure to have you on it. If you look back on your life and on your journey, uh, what do you feel is the meaning of life? Uh, the meaning of life is love. It's love. It's, it's, it's honesty. It's family. Um, that, that for me, you know, I've, I've, I've lost some close people this year that I, you know, I really care about. Um, and it has helped me look at life in a different way. Um, being healthy, you know, being around people that, that, that love you and just being able to sit by the fireplace or just sit outside on the sidewalk and talk and laugh and joke with each other. I mean, that's life, you know, looking at the trees and being able to travel if you can or just walk down the street and, and, and talk to your grandma or your mom or your sister. The little things is really, really what life is about um, because it's so big. It's so big. Well, you, you are an amazing young man. You are insightful, brilliant. Uh, you know, you've given incredible inspiration to our younger listeners all over the world. Uh, uh, believe me, uh, we've had some very interesting people, and we've been, uh, people have asked that we have you on the show, and we've been trying for, as you know, for a while, and, and I know a lot has happened over the last period of time where you've lost close people to you, but yeah. I, I really want to thank you for sharing your journey. Uh, Ray J., you're a dear friend. Uh, you know, Brad sends his love to you. My love to you and my great thanks to you, and, and, and I want you to know how deeply we appreciate the time that you've given us. Our time's up, and we want to thank our listeners for tuning into A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, this is your host, Jimmy Gould, and until next week, uh, Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, where we'll have Dr. Eric Braverman, the founder of Path Medical Center, on the show. I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, and success, and And, Ray J., all our love. Uh, We are looking forward to the next many, many years together with you and watching your career grow and your leadership within Knockout Entertainment grow and the effect you're having on so many young artists around the world. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. And, you know, I look up to you. I love Brad. I look up to Brad. Thank you guys for having me on the show. It means a lot. I'm I'm putting together some, some plans and some pitches so I can come in there and, and, and throw out some ideas so we can get it. 
Well, I'm, I'm counting on that, and I'll expect to have a big dinner, and then we'll take that long walk to the stadium. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> All my best to you. Give my love to your family. Same here, man. God bless. Thanks. You too. All God right. bless you. Bye-bye now. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week.